Hey friends, welcome back to the BoxCast Podcast. Today we have Jake Gosling with Churchfront. And I'm telling you what, this is going to be exciting. Stay tuned. Do you think churches focus too much on budget versus, you know, um, implementation or benefit or value to what it's going to bring? I think one of the challenges, especially as a worship and production leader, is to be able to have these conversations with your direct report and helping them understand kind of like what what are the options out there like if i if we invest five thousand dollars into this thing like what's that tangible result going to be versus if we invest fifty thousand dollars into this thing and helping them weigh that those benefits against how does this help us achieve our mission as a church we would say hey we need a building to do all this in and nobody really puts up a fuss when when we're like yeah it costs about three million dollars to build this building like right it's just like right. it's just the reality of it so it's like okay audio system a lot of churches are like hey let's build this three million dollar building um but man oh look at Sweetwater. I, I can get a pa system for ten thousand dollars like let's just do that you know like why why are we gonna why would we have to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a pa system um and then oh why would we need another thirty to fifty thousand dollars on acoustic treatment well it's like well for this scale of what we're doing if you're gonna have those standards of, man, we want audio to sound great at scale. We have to invest properly. All right, Jake, welcome to the BoxCast podcast. How you been, man? I've been doing well. Thanks for having me on, Gary. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So I know that you like live in Maryland and Florida and Texas and Colorado and Canada. Which state or country are you in right now? Just two states. Uh, Colorado, that's currently where I'm at right now, I guess indicated by my hat that I'm wearing and, uh, Florida. So those are kind of my two, two homes at this point. Um, mostly Florida's Florida's our primary residence will be there longer. Uh, we love the sunshine. We love the ocean. Um, just a great place to be, but summertime, what's great is it gets a little hot, but other people like to visit Florida for vacation in the summer. So we allow them to rent out our place to do that. And we can be in Colorado uh, during the summer months with family that we have here. So it's a cool times we live in and uh, it's due to church run, obviously being all remote, everything that I do um, is pretty flexible to be done from wherever. Um, So pretty, I feel pretty blessed uh, to to be able to do that. Absolutely. So you're like a reverse snowbird, right? So you've kind of, you've taken the reverse snowbird effect here then at this point, right? Well, I, I'd say it's pretty normal snowbird, right? Cause we we're avoiding the snow. That's, that's the main reason we went to Florida is like, we're there through the winter months for sure. And when Colorado though, in the summertime, it's pretty, pretty hard to beat. So that's why we love being here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on your move. I know church front is just killing it. You guys are just racking up all kinds of subscribers and views like 237,000 subscribers. Jake, it's like every other day I see a video come out on your channel on YouTube. You have over 554 videos, over 22 million views, and 13,000 followers in your Facebook groups. Wow. Holy mackerel. I didn't man. even know that. I haven't even looked at those numbers. <laughs> what the actual cumulative views were over that whole time. But that's crazy, 22 million. The, uh, it's an it's a overnight success, seven years in the making. That's, yeah. that's what it is. That's what they say, right? It's like, okay, oh, yeah. it took took seven years. Does if when, in hindsight, it feels like it just went by really quick, you know, making 500 and however many videos it is. But man, it's just week after week after week. We keep doing the same thing. I can't believe we haven't run out of video ideas uh, yet, but it's uh, it never stops. I was just thinking that the other day when I was watching one of the latest videos you guys put up. Uh, the church uh, tech, uh, the tech reviews, you know, the church tech walkthroughs and, mm-hmm. and the tech tours and how I'm like, are they ever going to like come up with, you know, other things? Like, I mean, this is really good stuff. Like mm-hmm. it just works. And I'm so surprised that you guys just keep pumping those out, man. I, but I compare that type of media to like real estate walkthroughs, right? So yeah. there's, there's plenty of television shows out there, architectural digest, their YouTube channel. Like, yeah, here's another mansion by of some celebrity or actor that we all know it you know they, they'll pump those out every week and just all these real estate tours on youtube i like to watch those because it's kind of fun to fun to watch and i realized the other day that church tech tours are similar where you have pretty much the same setup like a house would we have audio visuals uh broadcast 
in a house you have like the kitchen, the living room, the master bath, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's what I feel like. I'm kind of like a, a almost a real estate tour guide that hopefully it educates people, inspires them on what churches are doing out there. Uh, it's interesting because you can start seeing trends of like what tools really helping people in different contexts. Uh, Boxcast being an example of one of those things. Um, and it's fun to just take people on that tour. So from a content yeah. standpoint, it actually, it kind of, it's a good reminder for folks listening. If you're coming up with content ideas, just do what works. Like, and then of course, if you can come up with good, innovative ideas, try it, see if it works. And then yes. if not, we, for us, we you know worship tech tours have worked really well. The audience expects them. They're always asking for more of them. Um, yes. So we keep, we keep doing them. Yeah, dude. I I asked for more of them because I, I I like when Adam does them too because like I've seen all the cool ones Adam's done through and he's just like pointing out the things and all the complexity. I love that, Adam. Well, what's fun Adam, with Adam, he's doing the tech tours of churches we've worked with. Like right. usually the ones he's gone on site and helped with helped with our clients through worship ministry school. And that's kind of cool because it, often those are a bit more relatable because I'll do the big mega church tech tours. And well, I mean, I was just, I didn't do a tour yesterday, but I was visiting a church near me where one camera setup was a C300 Mark III with uh 25 to 250 millimeter lens uh, that had all the servos and stuff and amazing tripod monitors, all the things. This in a probably a deck on it too. It was like it was like sixty thousand dollars for just this one <sighs> one camera out of six of them that they have. And you know, a lot of people get you know kind of all their stirred up about some of the price tags of these things. And I don't, I, I don't blame them, but at the same time, it's a scale thing, right? It's just the church Absolutely. is reaching tens of thousands of people on a weekly basis. Um, and I just drool over that tech, right? It's just amazing. Oh, yeah. And what's cool is you can still, you can still learn from those setups. That's why I still like to show people like, Hey, this is kind of what, this is what the pros are using. This is a really great setup. And then this, you can actually still learn the same concepts that you can apply to scaled down more budget friendly setup. So oh, I'm looking yeah. at those setups. Adam is like looking at, Hey, here's like small to mid-sized churches. We're working with them. We're helping them get the best bang for their buck on, you know, maybe a camera setup. That's a couple thousand dollars, but has almost as good video quality. Absolutely. So, well, and, and that's the cool thing. You guys span the whole, I think in, in my view and everything that I see, you guys span the whole gambit of between what a small, medium sized church would do. And then what, everybody else is doing and who are larger churches and what they're doing. And we'll get into some of that here in a little bit. Cause I have some questions surrounding larger churches and your opinions about some things. But so just so people who are listening and watching who have never like heard of church front, don't know who Jake Goslin, the goat is in the church media production world. What exactly is church front? What is worship ministry school? What do you do? And how does people like, how does it help people and with their media and production? So I'm definitely not the goat in the worship production world. <laughs> Uh, I church front the I'll start with myself because that kind of explains what church front is. I grew up in worship ministry in high school. That's when I felt called to worship ministry. I had been in church all my life. I was at a church that small Pentecostal church in Vermont, no good tech analog console. Actually, I still think they have that same church. Um, I go there when I go home and visit my family has the same console there um, as they did Gosh, wow. Was that 15 years ago when I installed it? It was like a, it was a Mackie Onyx 32 channel yeah. uh, analog console. And it's funny now, now I'm getting content ideas to be like, I want to go back to the, 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 the worship space of my childhood and give it a complete makeover. <laughs> that's um, it guys. If we do anything right? in this podcast, it's a content generator. That's, that's how I come up with ideas. And that was my first exposure to worship ministry. I started a youth worship band. I wanted to be the next Chris Tomlin, you know, or Joel Houston back. This is back in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, went to college for music. I, I'm going to be a worship pastor. That's that's really who I would say I am first is like, I, hey, I'm a worship leader. And I went the worship leader route in career. This was like early 2000 teens, you know, like of like mm -hmm. 2015, I had my first full-time worship uh, responsibility at a church here in Littleton. And it was great. I loved it. And, but I knew, and I think a lot of us have intuitively sensed this, especially worship leaders of our generation, um, that man, like production is becoming so important to understand how to do well. And churches are faced with greater challenges, especially when we're dealing with older, 
buildings that were never integrated properly with audio, visual, lighting, streaming, all the things, um, because these buildings were often set up for choirs, organs, more traditional spaces. Right. Or even, even if it was a newer building, it's just like whoever was at that design conversation did not uh, properly estimate the importance of s proper production setup to just get the job done for good yeah. audio and visual and lighting to, to remove distractions and stuff. So that was my journey of like, man, I've gone through all the training and I get my music degree, got my MDiv degree. I want to be a worship pastor. And just quickly, I realized like, man, I can practice all day long, memorize my songs, lead a great band. But if audio is not mixed properly, the majority of our work is just meaningless. Like, because it's just, it's not, it's literally translating 5% of, of what we're trying to communicate here and how we're trying yeah. to engage and lead the congregation. I still think the Holy Spirit can work beyond like how, how good production is, but man, it's to me, it, it almost, I, I relate it to something as simple as like trying to preach the gospel to people who speak English, but you're trying to preach in Chinese or something. It's like, you're just not getting the message across because right. you're getting yeah. some fun. You're missing some fundamental concepts here. So I, I learned this was back 2015, 2016. I'm like, man, there are some great tools out there, like uh, digital mixing consoles. Those were kind of a newer thing 10 years ago. And like, wow, this can really make our life easier when it comes to building a better mix and supporting the ministry with audio. And then, oh man, there's tools like Ableton Live to run a click and tracks and keep our band, you know, tight and like support yes. us. So I was discovering all these tools for the first time, but then also realizing there's like no good direction on like how to get this stuff set up for the first time. So that's what really birthed the need and idea for church front, because at the same time we have the information age we live in, right? Where anybody can look up how to learn things, you know, on YouTube or the the internet on blogs. And it's, that, that to me is, has been kind of the opportunity of our generation of like, man, if you can package great information, content, put it online, cool things are going to happen. Right. And I, so that's where I like, I started that light bulb moment came off and for me. And, and especially when I discovered that, man, I, I really want to build kind of my own thing that supports church ministries rather than uh, just to, rather than be a, a full-time staff person at a church like that, that was kind of my own unique journey of like, I think, I, I think God has wired me for this role of like building and starting something like what became church front. So what happened is I started making YouTube videos over oh, seven years ago, 2017 or six years ago um, in 2017 of January. That's when you look at our YouTube channel. And that was like consistently like every single week since then church front has made a video. And that's how we've gotten to like five or 600 videos or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause 52, about 52 videos a year. Sometimes we do more times six It's going to yeah. get you to five to 600 videos and making videos about, how to automate lyrics with Ableton Live, how to live stream, how to run tracks, how to mix, what's the best mixing console. All, all the things that a lot of guy, people have been searching and it's just like you make it, people search for it, they traffic it yep. and it's help, it helps them. And then we were able to, of course, be like, hey, do you actually want to work with myself or my team to help coach you through things or whatever? That's what created our service-based business of consulting where we can actually uh, help churches remotely we can really cut down on costs of really just sharing expertise with churches instead of having to hire someone locally or fly in someone like an integrator out there to come set something up. It's like, Hey, we can actually partner with you remotely and really keep the cost down of bringing in expertise to you, someone like an Adam. Um, and we can also, if you want, we can fly him there too, to do in on-site work as well. Um, so that's kind of the nature of what we are. We are a media company, we are a consulting company. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a blast and that that's where we are now. So right now we have uh, myself and four other full-time team members. So there's five, five of us full-time Wow! and it's, it's a blast Wow! Um, being able to help churches every day. Wow. You guys are killing it though. I mean, all your content seems to be really on point. There's a lot of things in there that I think a lot of church people who are, you know, whether the, the director or the leader, or maybe even they're just the senior pastor looking for direction. Mm -hmm. They probably never even heard of the concepts, you know, like, you know, using waves performer in conjunction with your X32, like, mm -hmm. you know, they don't know how to do that. Or, and so, I mean, I, I, I found the niche of your content to be 
just really focused. I think the first time I experienced your content was when uh, you were talked about light key. Now light key for anybody who's watching and listening is a phenomenal, phenomenal universal lighting software. Um, they use so many different adapters and so many different DMX controllers that go into it. I loved it. And that the only reason I moved to light key from some dinky little rhino DMX switching box was because of your recommendation to use light key and how to use it. And I fell in love. And that's the, I think that's, that's the kind of content stuff that people in our space, you know, me being a pastor, you being a worship pastor, needing to have that content information, knowing what's going on and, and at least getting some content education on how to mm -hmm. use it. That was the important piece. And so I, I feel like that you guys are just absolutely killing it with that. So that's, and that's me, a great example of like me being like, Hey, I'm a worship pastor. I'm not a professional LD or lighting designer. If you yeah. don't, if you don't know that simple lingo of like an LD, it's like, Oh, what's an L like I've been there before. Yeah. Right. And like, you're not going to know the, all the lingo of DMX and protocol and, you know, Jans and grand MA and stuff like that. Those, <laughs> yeah, <Arknet. laughs> yeah. Those were designed for people who are professionals at that. But in a church world, you are supposed to be professional at leading a band, leading your congregation worship. And you only have so much time and effort to do that. Fortunately, there's technology like light key now. That's like, Hey, you have simple lighting cues in a church. You don't need crazy, insane control over your DMX system. So let's not use Grand MA to run a few, you know, spotlights and maybe two moving lights. Like that's just completely right. overkill. But that's right. a good example of why Churchfront has worked. It's like, yeah, let's just simplify this stuff. Absolutely. And I, and I, I find it enjoyable. Let me ask you, what is the oldest piece of equipment that you have right now that you just can't seem to get rid of? Doesn't matter what it is. Um, maybe something that's older than, you know, 10 years old, uh, something that you just absolutely love and can't get rid of. Oh man. So uh, I'm looking at my desk right now, a few things that are pretty old for me, the probably oldest things I have would be, let's see, do I even have them in here? I've got some, uh, I've got some all clear custom in your monitors that are probably almost five, five years old or so. They're the RSM quad drivers yeah. and they sound really great. They, uh, Oh, actually, it says twenty. It says it twenty eighteen. So, how many years is that? Nineteen, twenty, twenty. We have five years old. So they're great. They're not going anywhere. I haven't lost them. Um, I've got the other, uh, some newer set. These are the um, spires. So these ones have a okay. few more drivers. They they have a little bit more low end. Um, and looking at it right now, I'm like, oh man, I feel like this is a this little connector is coming apart as I'm looking at it. But the uh, yeah, great quality headphones. Um, and then th that's probably the oldest thing on my desk right now because it just works. I'm, I'm looking at my like, I you know, it's it's amazing. I have been reflecting on this. Like Apple's pinging me right now to be like, hey, you need to like update your iPhone, you know, you're in the upgrade <laughs> program. And and for me, it's like the iPhone 13 to 14. I'm like, I why? It's not even like worth the effort for me to go to the Apple store and put right. up with their nonsense of how to change a phone. And then yeah, I guess I could have it come here, but you know, it's, I just feel like it's still like more work than it's worth right now to go from an iPhone 13 to 14. Um, then I really like these lav mics. Again, this is all like sitting on my office cause I just got, got back from, uh, um, uh, Florida, but these are like our Tascam DRL seven, DRL 17, DRL 10 or something like that. Yes. These cool little Tascam microphones. Um, that make it like really easy to just throw a lab on someone and it just sounds amazing. Like the quality of, uh, they're really good. Yes. Audio. They are really so, good. And it's only hundred, it's 150 bucks, I think for, for one of those. That's um, awesome. So those, those would be my oldest things I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Hey, that's cool, man. So, uh, going into something else, I know that you, you had a really good podcast episode with Cade Young. Um, and we also had a podcast with him and discussed some cool things, but I know that he is, he's, I align with him on the, on the doll versus console side of sending your, your, you know, your live stream mix out. And mm -hmm. I know that you, you land on the doll side a little bit more. So tell me, depends. What is your, it depends. I, yeah. But you kind of lean more to that side though. Cause I mean, I can understand I would too. I, I get it. And we're actually considering that for my church, but what is the least favorite doll that you use or have least, used oh um you know most of the time i've spent my time in ableton logic and pro tools so i would actually kind of rank those as i'm still the one that i know the best is ableton so that's my favorite then logic would be the second best and then pro tools would be the third 
Um, I really haven't spent much time at all on like uh, Reaper or some of those other options out there. Um, and I would say that the DAW versus a, a separate mix bus or matrix mix. If I, if Jake Goslin had the duty of running in broadcast mix every single Sunday at a church, like I got, uh, like I was professionally doing that, hands down, I would be using a DAW to do it. Even if we, even if we had an amazingly treated room, because as a more, you know, when you're on the more pro end of mixing, still the ability to bring in those plugins and do some of the cool things you can do as you set up a DAW as a virtual mixing console, I still think it beats even some of the really high-end consoles. So I would yeah. still go with that. Just yesterday, I was at Brave Church. That's the church with the insane camera setup. They had, um, they were mixing in Pro Tools and had a great room set up for it, but they also have you know very qualified people who are doing that. Oh, yeah. But then for probably the vast majority of churches at this point, um, if you have a room that basically the way you can mix in the room is going to be translating well online and maybe you just need to add in some crowd mics, for sure a matrix mix is a great option to go with. So that's what I told Cade too. So it's, it's a both, yep. to me, it's a both hand. It's a both hand. <laughs> it's a both hand. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on, on all of those statements. Uh, you know, my, we're, we're exploring the idea of using waves performer to jump into, you know, making a little bit more of a auto, getting a little more auto tune into it, you know, getting a little more of that sparkle that we want with yeah. some compression, you know? So yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm right there with you now. Now I, I just, I need to know more about bacon pie. Bacon pie. I need to know more about it. What is bacon pie? Oh, was that, um, was that on my Instagram? It was on your Instagram. Yeah. That was, you know, uh, I get asked Kaylee, my wife about that. Cause it, like, now I think about it, we haven't like had that since for a long time. Cause that video, that photo was like from years and years ago. Um, I think it was like a, it's like a similar, like a quiche dish, right. Or so okay. that's what it looked like. I think that's all it was. I think it was a quiche with like a bunch of bacon on top of it. If, if I remember correctly, I'd have to like pull up that photo, but it was really good. I love, I, to <laughs> me, if we want to talk about diet, my biggest thing is like just eat a lot of protein um, and you'll be happy and feel great. Yeah. So that's my, that's my suggestion. I think there's a lot of, yeah, mostly I would eat carnivore. Um, I think I, I don't know right now, I'm just with a, when you have like a wife and kids and she's trying to prep meals for the whole family, it's like. I, I'm going to sacrifice, you know, carnivore preferences for whatever she wants to make to make her life easier. Um, right. But I do believe that. I think there's so much misinformation around diet out there and how beef is bad for you and stuff like that. To me, cows are the apex of food. And so it's like, you know, <laughs> we really don't, you don't really, you can literally just live off a cow and, oh, and that's, that's you good. don't need anything else. Cow, the apex of food. I like that so much right now. Listen, mm -hmm. we're going to create a clip out of that. That's going to go viral. Cows, the yep. apex of food. Pete is going to be all over us, pal. We're going to be in trouble. Oh, yep. man. Well, I just, I had that, those questions. I was just wanted to know what bacon pie was because I saw it on Instagram and I'm like, man, that does look really good. I wonder what it was like. It was like chock full of bacon. And I showed my wife and she's like, you're never going to eat that and I'm never going to make it. And I was like, that's fine. I'll do it myself. Just someday. come on over. I'll, just I'm, come on over and I'll ask Kaylee to make it again. Perfect. That is, yes. uh, she, my, yeah, she's amazing, amazing cook. And again, it's like, I'm, I, uh, again, when you have three to four kids, it makes the cooking thing process a little bit more hectic, Absolutely. but um definitely she makes the best food ever yeah, absolutely i know that feeling so so all right jake so let's get into some nitty-gritty here okay because uh and our pre-production stuff and our pre-prepping things i told you there were gonna be some questions that that were a little bit more meta had a little bit more feeling to them i we, if nobody knows who you are then they can rewatch the beginning of this podcast episode to know who you are but i i have a serious burning question i, I mean i'm from boxcast you're at church front Two years ago, you did a review video of BoxCast on your own, unsolicited, and you impressed us quite a bit, and we reached out and talked to each other, and I really want to know, just real quick, why why the reasons for you know kind of making your switch, I wouldn't say switch, maybe changing a little bit of your preference to BoxCast versus Resi? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, before pandemic time, I was completely unfamiliar with encoders because most churches situations I've been at, we weren't even live streaming yet. You know, obviously pandemic comes, everybody starts live streaming. 
but we we're I was more aware of, oh yeah, there's live streaming software out there like an Ecamm or OBS or things like that. And then eventually I kind of came across as I was diving into the worship tech world, I was seeing what other churches were using. I came into the encoder space. I was like, well, what's an encoder? Why do you need it? And and right. I, then I learned that a couple reasons why. One being having a device that's separate from your computer that is basically taking the load of compressing your audio and video feed for your live stream, um, compressing it in a way that it's going to uh, make it small enough to deliver online so it can get to where it needs to go on the internet to social platforms, but also retain the quality. Uh, so just putting in the right video codec so that's going to look good getting to your viewers and just not facing glitches because I also saw like, man, there's a lot of software out there like an OBS to me is so notorious. If you do not have all of the proper settings dialed into place. And if you don't sacrifice three lambs before your service, OBS will just like <laughs> fail on you, you know, or the audio will come out of sync. And I, if I had a nickel for every time I saw someone in the church on Facebook group having OBS problems, I would, would probably be able to retire by now. Right. right it's just like, it's just, it's a software based so thing it's open source it's free and you basically you know you get what you pay for um with this so right. i was learning like oh man yeah there needs to be a more robust solution for a live stream because you don't want it to fail so an encoder would address that and the other extremely convenient thing for the encoder thing it set up is having uh, automated start and stop of your live stream and multi-streaming it to different platforms so that's how i, I personally i saw these different tools out there like a box cast like a resi and as I was doing tech tours, especially in larger church settings, I did see lots of Resi equipment um, because now if I were to explain to someone, hey, some of the pros and cons of, of BoxCast versus Resi, um, I would ultimately come down to like, hey, if you are a multi-campus, larger church, you need lots of encoding and decoding going on. It's just a very complex setup. If, and you're in that kind of 0.05% of churches that needs that. I think Resi does that solution really, really well. You should look into their products um, because they help bring the cost of that down for some of these mega churches who would spend, I don't know, probably they probably spend like thousands or multi-five figures per month on just getting their live stream reliably to different places. So Resi kind of disrupted that space in the multi-campus world. Um, but if you're the 99.5% of churches out there that smaller to mid-size, even, even like some what might be a mega church and maybe you don't have a lot of multi-campus needs and stuff like that, then that's where I'm like, you should really consider BoxCast because from a user interface standpoint, um, this, the way the software works, it is very intuitive that I could teach my, my mother or my grandmother how to use it <laughs> successfully. Right. I can't say the same about, about uh, Resi. Um, I feel like Resi is designed for technical directors or video engineers um, even, even with their latest studio updates, they made improvements, but it's, it's still, I still feel like it's designed for, for the it people, um, mm -hmm. box cast, I feel like is designed for pastors, worship leaders, uh, you know, folks who they don't live in the world of it. Right. So right. it's kind of the same, almost the same thing, not completely the same as like light key versus grand MA, uh, yeah. for controlling things. Right. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tell a professional lighting designer to not use grand MA. Um, in the same way that I'm not going to tell a church with very demanding encoding and decoding needs to not use Resi. Like that's, that's dumb. There's, there's a use case for both of them. Sure. Um, so for our church, I'm mostly in small to mid-sized churches. The clients we're working are mostly small to mid-sized churches. Um, and that's why I lean Boxcast because I really like it. And, and from a hardware standpoint, I like how simple in price point of Boxcaster and then the Boxcaster Pro, I love the that that device like the having the L, the screen on it uh having more input and output options for sdi hdmi xlr audio input um for us we're able to just run run our sdi line into it be able to monitor it before it gets sent out um the just everything about the boxcaster pro it's great is it overkill for a lot of smaller churches probably a little bit but for even for that price i still think it's totally worth the, the quality uh, especially the HEVC codec that it uses. Like mm -hmm. it just looks amazing when it gets to your end audience. So that's my long kind of uh, answer. I think I came across Resi first. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I really like these features, but it's kind of like setting it up. This doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of smaller churches. 
Um, and then I came across Boxcast. I'm like, oh, this is why people use Boxcast because I'd heard of it at that point and I understood it once once I started using it. Yeah. Well, we're we're very grateful for the fact that you took the time to investigate and do the research. And we're just glad to have you, you know, advocate for us and of course all of your users and clients and people who are in need of live streaming. And so uh, we're, we're honored to be a part of your partnership with that man and however we can help make those things better. So well, let's yep. dive a little bit deeper, my friend. Let's, let's, let's take a tuna dive here. Okay. So I know, you know, you visit a lot of churches, you talk to a lot of churches, you talk to a lot of pastors, media people, you discuss ins and outs of all the things that are related to anything in tech or worship ministry tech or anything that's relating to production. Right. Um, and I kind of feel the church has been the center um, of advancing this tech, like the more that churches begin to pick it up, the more that that tech begins to advance because they find flaws or needs or changes that, that absolutely need to occur. And then the rest of the world kind of adopts that and uses it to their liking and need. But I guess the question that I have for you is where do you see the future of technology in the church heading? Where, where mm -hmm. do you see that going right now? I still think that it's going to be, it's going to be a both. And I, there, cause there's might be one side of the side of the spectrum where you look at all of our live streaming gear that's come out and software and just the technology we have now to capture and reproduce an experience and put it online and let people experience that. Right. Like yesterday after when we're recording this, that's when the new Apple vision came out. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of cool ideas that I literally can't think of other, other smart people, developers will think of cool ways to, uh, use that tool uh, it or maybe a complete kind of gimmick that flops like personally i i have not spent any time in the the uh, ar vr world or anything like that because i do think from a human standpoint we might be coming up to this place where we're like wait a second uh staring at my phone for seven hours every day is actually bad for me <laughs> like it's not it, and i'm like it, it's almost like a it's a funny meme i think of it's like because recently you know apple's had like screen time uh features and stuff like that to be like hey yeah. like stop looking at your phone so it's like it's like apple hey you should spend last time looking at your phone you look at your screen time and then also apple hey put this thing on your face, face. <laughs> it's just like it's Use like it there's for like 24 hours a day yeah. you know yeah, yeah stop looking at your phone start looking through your phone right like yeah and I, I, again, I, I'm not going to discourage or, you know, any innovation. Like I still think it's great and the, to see what they're doing and coming out with new devices and with the live streaming world and the church space in particular, I think it's going to be, Hey, like it's fortunately these tools are becoming more, uh, more affordable, most more cost effective where mm -hmm. churches can have an amazing in-person gathering. I don't think that's going to go away. I don't think to me, like a completely virtual worship experience, hopefully the only time we actually have to use that is if there's like some issue with the government's making it illegal for us to actually get together and do it, you know, whether right. it's a, pan like a pandemic that happens again, or, right. you know, some hopefully uh, not hopefully, but some really bad situation where like religion is like illegal, but that, that's a reality for some people in the world. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, so do I think that we're going to be being like, Hey family time to go to church. I'll let's all put on our Apple visions and then we'll, log into our you know box the, our church's box cast account from our vision operating system and, and participate right. that way lord i hope not like that that to me i don't think that's the future of it not to say there aren't going to be some cool ways to, to to implement that tech but in the meantime i just think it's going to get continue to get more accessible for churches to just not have atrocious atrocious live streams for people to watch, like if they're part of the community and they want to stay plugged into their church, they can they can do it online. Um, it's never going to be as good as in person. Or if someone's considering visiting a church, kind of as a marketing tool, they can they can see like, hey, what's this place like before I even walk through the front door. So I do think live streams are going to continue to function as the front door um, of churches. And then for churches who are motivated to actually do more online content um, and uh, I think it's just going to get easier to continue to like capture things on Sunday morning that you could repurpose for your social platforms. Um, and again, not thinking of social media as, Hey, let's just promote what's going on at the church, but let's actually 
use it at, to, to like to do ministry online. Right. Um, I think yes. that's going to become more and more common. And I think we've really only scratched the surface of it. And I think it might be a generational thing. Most, most pastors are still like older Gen Xers or baby boomers right now. And when you look at millennial pastors, don't really have any, maybe we have a lot of Gen Z youth pastors now, but like we understand a little bit more intuitively, like, Hey, these phones and our live stream and the content we make isn't to be like, Hey, come to women's Bible study, you know, next week or whatever. But like, no, how can I actually answer people's questions and serve them uh, spiritually uh, and minister to them? So that that's yeah. where I think we're going to keep going. And I do think that we, we may have hit this like S curve of technological development until mm -hmm. like something crazy happens with maybe artificial intelligence or some other major category of tech. Right. I feel like things are the, the amount of change in, in increase of features on like new mixing consoles or cameras, it just seems to kind of be slowing down like that, that year off. Yeah, if I you look at that. year over year, the features being built into uh, a new camera or mixing console it's not as rapid as it was 10 years ago, in, in my opinion. That's true. No, no, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, no, I can see that. I see like AI being something that's built in. I, we talked about this with, with Cade too, is like AI and, and, you know, we're building in automation tools into like not just live streaming or, you know, into ProPresenter where you can set up a timeline and let it queue things with MIDI, you know, and all that mm -hmm. jazz. But, you know, you're seeing AI coming out and about, I mean, someone somewhere is going to develop it to where AI is actually implemented in the cloud and you're sending 16 channels of audio, you know, from your Dante card into your computer, which is then sending that into the cloud and it's doing all the mixing for you and applying yeah. effects and limiters and gates and, you know, compressors and all that jazz. So like, I mean, I, there's, there's all kinds of tech stuff, but in your opinion though, what, it, you know, as things are coming down the line in the future, whether we're slowing down or, you know, we're getting out of that S curve, what are some of the key things that you think leaders should be getting to focus on when it comes to church media, church production, live streaming, audio, all that jazz? Um, I always encourage so many churches right now, like focus on the basics and foundations of just the simple things like, hey, how, consider audio, right? Before you worry about mixing in a DAW or getting the fanciest, newest mixing console, what's the acoustic uh, treatment in your room like what's the pa system that you're using what microphones are you using uh because what people end up doing they put the cart before the horse and mm -hmm. they think getting that new fancy gadget or the new feature is going to solve the underlying issue of like wow oh, we yeah. have a horrible mix but yep. they put the cart before the horse and then it just still sounds horrible they waste a lot of resources so same thing with like live streaming before you consider the $60,000 uh, Canon setup that I saw yesterday for capturing video. Um, the only reason that church can do that in a way that's responsible is that they have a great lighting solutions already, right? Because oh, yeah. a $50,000 cinema camera is not going to make up for really poor lighting. Um, so Absolutely it's like, hey, not. <laughs> so after, after like audio, it's like, hey, how do we consider like our lighting system in here? So then, so then even with our, uh, little PTZ cameras we're using with tiny sensors, even those could start looking better uh, because the subjects are lit properly. Um, and oh yeah, like what about before we even consider going into a higher resolution camera or getting new lenses, what's our encoding solution like? Are we, are we maintaining the quality of video, but when it gets sent online or are we yeah. capturing this beautiful image and then we're compressing it in OBS and it's not reliably getting online and it just looks horrible when it gets online. Right. Oh, yeah, so it's like, absolutely. it's like knowing what the foundation is before you keep building on top of it. Well, it's foundations that make everything stable. I mean, if you don't have a stable base, then you're not going to have a stable footing for the advanced stuff. I mean, and even we talk about that, even in scripture, I mean, it's, it's, that's a scriptural point of view. It's a scriptural basis. It's biblical that you have to start with the foot, that the cornerstone of everything. And that's usually the basics. And I completely agree with you, man. So leading into that, and it's cool that you said that a little bit, like, do you see, is there like an obsessive need to always do like more better or is it just something that we should not focus on but be coherent about i think we should always be doing more better but shifting i think there's throughout different seasons of your church's life and growth you can you can you can turn the focus to different things to be like mm -hmm. okay this so let's talk about just worship and production ministry your worship leader of, of that area and be like okay 
be, you have to list out like, what are all the goals and like, how do we, what's prioritized? Like what's the most important to address and maybe try to break it down over to timeline. So we do this a lot with our clients who work with us of like, let's make a plan and be like, Hey, for this first like two months, let's just focus on re like cleaning up and rebuilding our audio system right now. Um, and make that better. Okay. That's done. And now the next following two months, because we built good systems and we have a mixing template, we know what we're doing. We've learned how to mix better as, as the worship ministry leader, the next two months, let's dive into recruiting and training audio engineers, because now we have a system to recruit people into and plug them into that's going to work. Um, mm -hmm. so to me, it's, it's, you can actually always be getting better, but to me, it's not like, I think worship leaders sometimes could get stuck with like, oh man, th the thing that means better and growing in our ministry right now is like, how can we get the congregation to feel more hype during the worship service or like pick songs that are crazier? Or like, I don't know. Or like, how can we, uh, uh, w maybe with audio people get too focused on man. Like if we only had neve preamps for our stage boxes oh, like yeah. that's gonna solve our Ooh. that's gonna that's gonna be it right like that's gonna be the it's like no it's not like focus on <laughs> right focus on the areas of growth that are gonna make that biggest most leveraged impact and a lot of that comes with building the right systems like i was talking about with something as simple as your audio system and then empowering that system with people who can run it who can know it they can learn it they can run it well um, and then you can shift your focus in the next season and be like, okay, let's tackle our lighting system and do the same thing. Build a great system, recruit people into it, and then let's move on to our streaming system. Let's move on to recruiting more musicians. You know, like that's how I view always getting better and growing. It's mm -hmm. not obsessing over like a one to 2% increase in quality. To me, it's like, what's going to bring this up like 30 to 40% increase in quality or even, even 10%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you did a video with uh, with Grace Church out of Melbourne, Florida, right? Mm -hmm. You guys did a video there, and I I love that video. It was fantastic because you you just took the same approach that you said here. You're taking that same approach there at that church as well, like not just in 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 like full aspect, but you're 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 focusing on the budget that you have at the moment and what are the key things that are most important for increasing a production quality, but b limiting the distractions that are necessary to mm -hmm. be removed. And that's I think that's that's absolutely phenomenal advice to anyone who's looking to implement something, you know, or go that realm. So let me ask you, do you think churches and you know, really quickly, do you think churches focus too much on budget versus you know, um, implementation or benefit or value to what it's going to bring to the service? Like is, is budget always like the, the cash is king kind of thing, familiarity? Um, yeah, I, I do think it's, it's hard. I think one of the challenges, especially as a worship and production leader is to be able to have these conversations with your direct report or a financial committee at your church, because they're the decision makers and helping them understand kind of like what what are the options out there like if i if we invest five thousand dollars into this thing like what's that tangible result going to be versus if we invest right. fifty thousand dollars into this thing and helping them weigh that those benefits against how does this help us achieve our mission as a church because everything has to be mm. reverse engineered from there right so right. and helping connect the dots for those leaders to, to tell them like hey our mission as a church is to have really engaging, transformative worship services, um, especially, let's say, just in-person worship services. So what does it say about how much we should be willing to invest into an audio system if part of that engaging worship service for music to be transitioned, for music to come across cl clearly, for preaching to come across clearly? Yes. Yeah. Um, what's it going to take to breach those standards? Because... We would say, hey, we need a building to do all this in. And nobody really puts up a fuss when when we're like, yeah, it's cost about three million dollars to build this building. Like it is what it is. Like we could try to we could try to do it on three thousand dollars and you know, just home, make it homemade, uh, chop down some trees and try to for build something, but obviously the city's not gonna approve that for code and then it's probably gonna fall down, right? It's just like right. it's just the reality of it. So it's like, okay audio system a lot of churches are like hey let's build this three million dollar building um but man oh look on sweetwater I, I can get a pa system for ten thousand dollars like let's just do that you know like why why are we gonna 
why would we have to spend $100,000 on a PA system? Um, and right. then, oh, why would we need another thirty dollars to $50,000 on acoustic treatment? Well, it's like, well, for this scale of what we're doing, if you're going to have those standards of, man, we want audio to sound great at scale, we have to invest properly into Absolutely. those things. Yeah. So if we want, it's in the same way that we want our building to be at code and to be safe at scale that large, it's going to cost that price tag. We need to invest those dollars to, to right. make it happen. So it's, I think it's really breaking things down to first principles with leaders, leadership and helping them understand that. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, I totally completely agree. I mean, I look back at my church, like when we moved to our X32 into our digital snake system and in-ear monitors and decided to, to, to implement that you know, new subs and all that jazz, we, it, it was, um, for me, it was a, it was more of a, Hey, this is the problems that we need to solve and why moving to this would fix those and how they would fix it. You know, like we were having a problem. We had another church that was subleasing the building from us using our equipment at the same time. And it was a, it was a dangerous thing because every Sunday morning we'd come in and using an old Yamaha. Oh, I forget it was like him. It was like an MQL or something. I forget. It's so old, but all the settings were changed. So every morning we're spending like 40 minutes trying to re-put everything back to where it should be where, you know, digital console at that point in time, you know, and the same now save that preset, you know, <laughs> save that scene, buddy. So you have that set in there and that solved a lot of, a lot of headaches for us. And it was just solving a problem and showing why that problem can be solved using specific things. And then of course, going back to the basics, you know, uh, knowing how to use your equipment is all, all, you know, of obvious, you know, circumstance there, you've got to be able to know how to use it. But that leads me, that leads me into a good question for you. Cause I know, I mean, you, you, you church front, you guys go the whole gambit, right? You go from big church, even bigger church to, to small church and Hey, you know, really small church. Like, I mean, you guys hit the whole gambit, which is awesome. So do you feel that there's kind of like this overarching, I don't want to say stigma, but maybe this presence for small medium churches to feel or to replicate or to emulate the big churches that are out there. And not even just that, like, is it helping or hindering those churches who want to replicate something or try to, to, you know, become an emulation of like say elevation or red rocks or church on the move. Do you think it's helping or hindering those types of churches who aren't necessarily that kind of church? Yeah. I think an example that comes to mind for me right now would be on the, let's talk about like worship music side of things where and, and some of this is kind of partly due to the tech that is available to us that we that we implement because it's there and it's it's easy to do mm -hmm. um so we see like you know elevation rhythm comes out with amazing songs that are great you know they I, they've got probably like a 30-piece band or something like that i don't know how, i right. don't listen to those, them that much it's awesome stuff and then oh great well multi-tracks has playback and i can like i mean i can have that same feel and vibe of that band like at my little tiny church uh and so I'm just going to do it. So, so to me, that that's kind of like a negative thing where I'm like, okay, guys, like what are other ways you could even do that same song, but just make it more appropriate to your band, uh, your musicianship and skill set that you have in your church. Um, and instead of just like piping through a full backing tracks of a virtual band alongside of it right. I, again. And maybe that's just my own personal musical preference because not to say people can't worship the backing tracks. They do. I've seen it before. Um, so that kind of can create some weird, uh, weird stuff when it comes to like the worship music side of things. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes I worry about when people watch worship tech tours and they're like, Oh, that big church is using that $60,000 camera setup must mean we have to get one too. You know, it's like, right. I mean, that's like blatant, uh, not, uh, not understanding how to allocate funds properly or not being educated enough about the other options out there that that church could use or, um, people kind of non-critically, um, you know, installing things like a huge LED wall where it's like, well, do you guys really need it? Like, is it, yeah. is it really going to help you? Um, so that that's how, you know, even though I've been like the church front guy, I love worship tech uh, at the same time. And I think you'll see this as we at Rock Harbor Church in Florida, as we, we kind of improve things there. That's an old traditional worship space. It was a Lutheran building. They just bought it a couple, couple months ago. And we are really trying to tastefully upgrade tech there that supports what that building is already trying to communicate architecturally rather than be like, let's just slap a big led wall in the middle and black out the, everything. And well, it has this beautiful stained glass. stained glass. Yeah. It's got that stained yeah. glass. It's so pretty, yeah. man. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, and I think that's something where we've, 
we are completely missing out on in modern worship environments in the church because, well, yeah, it is, it's expensive to have nice architecture uh, in your building. Maybe it's not culturally fashionable as much anymore. Um, and then integrators uh, aren't really going to make much money on stained glass. So why, why are they going to encourage right. you to do that in their design? Right. So right. economically it doesn't make sense. So, and, and pragmatically it makes a lot more sense to like be like, Hey, we're going to buy a former, former, uh, um, former shopping mall um, building and we're going to black it out and we're just going to, you know, fly our PA, put an LED wall in and then boom, we got a worship environment. Right. Where it's like, well, why don't we have a little bit more be even theological intentionality to, to the space that we're building for worship. So those are the things going through my mind now. And I think there's still so much room to have amazing technology support um, this vision that I have for a church like Rock Harbor, because right. we still can have great lighting. We can still can have amazing sound. We can still have an amazing live stream. Like, but we're not just doing the typical like church in a box thing. Um, which yeah. to me, I, I personally feel a little bit tired about it. Um, I don't well, know. It's getting kind of old. It is getting kind of old. I mean, quite honestly, I'm going to be right there with and you. And I man. think, and I think our communities are are really local communities are missing something where, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these larger, beautiful church buildings, especially here in a post-Christian city like Denver, they're turning into nightclubs or condos and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and that it's cool to have that re feeling when you walk into a, a building with a you know, higher ceiling, stained glass, just seeing the stories that the stained glass tell, like it's cool stuff. So maybe I think the pendulum might swing back that way. Um, we might, we might see that happen in coming well, years. I, I don't disagree. I mean, there's, there's quite a few churches like, uh, you know, harvest church in Chicago who they bought that space right in the middle of Chicago. And that building is just hundred yeah. years plus, And it's so gorgeous. And they they've chosen not to renovate any of the stained glass, you know, mm -hmm. and all, and then and they made the I mean, it's an old traditional. I think it was a Presbyterian old Presbyterian building. Mm -hmm. Beautiful inside. I mean, and I've, I agree with you in a lot of that because there's a hearkening that has to go back to our roots, you mm -hmm. know, it, not just in ministry, but as you know, as churches go through. But that doesn't mean we can't tag along some of the advancements that are coming in production and technology and the things that help make distractionless services easier to achieve and brings people into a space of worship. So I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you, man. Well, Absolutely. Wellspring, Wellspring church. That's a tech tour that we have on our channel. People can check out their Anglican church, probably my favorite worship space, stained glass. They took an old building. They treated it properly. They got an L acoustic rig. They've got an led wall. They got amazing mm. lighting. Um, but it really serves like that liturgical Anglican worship. Um, I'm a, I'm a closet Anglican. I would probably, I, I would probably go to that church, but I've got other life circumstances that, that don't, don't make sense right now for that to happen. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's a cool, it's cool what I'm seeing happen there or even, uh, another space I actually do think is cool. I haven't been there, but what I see, um, is, um, Saddlebacks church yeah. in LA, um, yes. I, I think for them, it's like they really open up the windows cause they're in, they're in beautiful California. So they can like literally have open air auditorium essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like, what are unique, more unique things churches can do like that, um, with their worship space. Absolutely. There's a, there's a larger church in Naperville, Illinois that I was, when I was pastoring in, in Illinois, we would go visit and I, I'm, the name of the church is eluding me, but it's in Naperville, Illinois. Um, and they have this, it's a huge auditorium, but they have, a cross centered right in the middle of their stage. They have two LED walls on the left and right, but it's like a small baptismal area that's got this rock fascia on the front, but everything else is traditional. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, with the and the lighting is great. The video systems look awesome. The audio quality is outstanding, but they decided mm -hmm. to keep that, that rooted traditionalist view right there to harken back to their roots. And I think that's, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jake, I know we're running out of time here, man. So I'm, I'm just, I'm actually just absolutely 100% ecstatic that you joined me today. Um, I've got a couple of finishing things here that I want to go over with you real quick. So um, worship ministry school, how do people get to it? Church front, how do people get to it? Where do they see you? What, how, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So church front is easy to find on YouTube. That's where we have the 500 plus free videos that anybody can watch on YouTube that you you'll be, you'll be equipped, you know, and, um, that kind of shows our whole journey, my own journey of, of learning these things too. 
Um, and we have so many like experts on that channel. Like we got, we've got a, a Luke Hendrickson, we've got Jesse O'Brien, we've got Chad Vegas. Like it is, that's one thing that I, I do feel if I'm going to feel proud of something, it's like, man, I'm just glad that I'm able to compile this really quality content, not from me, but mm -hmm. from these experts and put it out there for free. We take all of our church front live keynotes. We put them out there for free um, because they can be, you know, nobody's stopping us. You know, our business model can work that way. We don't have to charge for it. So go enjoy all the free content. And then uh, if you want the more systematic help from our team, um, go to worshipministryschool.com. So we can help you through courses. We can help you through remote consulting and also in-person consulting. Um, so a lot of that too looks like you've maybe you've already have all the right gear at your church. You've got a good digital mixing console. You've got cameras, you've got box cast, you've got the right tools, but like you just don't have a cohesive plan of like piecing it all together. That's what we do. Um, we really just help churches maximize what they already have really well and clean stuff up and then um, train their team members and then help them if they're going to make upgrades, be like, Hey, let's, let's make the wisest upgrades possible moving for you, for you to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Worship ministry school is awesome. I highly recommend it. If you're in need of getting some of that training and that additional content, especially the consultation parts are really cool. You mentioned church front live. I'm so stoked about this. Tell me what is it? When, where is it? And when is it my friend? Yeah, it's our two-day uh, conference that Church Front's been doing. We've only done it for a couple of years now, and it happens here at my church that I'm at right now, South Fellowship Church in Littleton, Colorado, and uh, it's October 17th through 18th uh, of this year, and Colorado is amazing that time of year. It's just It's in fall, and uh, beautiful weather. You're going to see the trees uh, changing colors, and if so if you're any from anywhere, you're invited to come. We've had people from different continents come to this event before. It just kind of blows my mind. And um, we'll probably have around, I would estimate around three to 400 uh, worship ministry leaders this year. That's about as many as we can hold in this, this space. And we'll have uh, guest experts we're flying in to give great keynotes. Uh, we do a breakout workshop, kind of design this, this conference to just be like, what of the conferences I've been to, like, what do I like about conferences and how do we design one that I enjoy personally uh, to be at? And that's kind of how I've designed it uh, to yeah. be. And we had a blast last year. Um, and again, we, we are going to live stream it. Thanks to the Boxcast. We'll be using their Boxcaster Pro and, um, their streaming platform to do that. We did it last year. It worked great. We had the stream going for, it was like literally like 12 hours straight each day. Uh, and it didn't, no glitches at all. And we were interacting with people through Boxcast TV and it was just like, man, that this, this was awesome. So, uh, the stream will be there so you can buy stream tickets for you and your team if you can't come here, but if you can come here, it's fun because, there's just so much in-person cool stuff that happens when you, when you meet people in person, you develop these connections, uh, you're going to be equipped. Uh, we, every time people come, they're like, Oh man, our team was so inspired by that. And, and they come up with clear takeaways of like, what, what's the next step for their ministry. So we'd Absolutely. love to see you there. Just go to churchfrontlive.com and you can register. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'm going to see you guys there. Boxcast is going to be there. Yep. And we're so excited to finally meet everybody in person and be able to see that. And Ryland Russell is a speaker. Cade Young's there. So, yep. I mean, everybody we've had on the podcast episodes are going to be there. So we're really excited. That's Jay my other favorite thing is I can like, I'm literally get to invite my friends for keynote yeah. talks, right? Yeah, just, exactly. It, it, well, it, because these guys, like to me, it's kind of the other, sh the changing of the times. Like I'm like, okay, a lot of other worship ministry conferences out there tend to lean towards like, let's just have the big artists talk or let's just have um, the, the big tech director from humongous church talk. And it's great. Those guys deliver value. I love making videos with them. At the same time, I'm like, man, there's some people that I want the church run community to know about, like a Ryland, like a Cade. Um, perhaps they've already come across their channel already. So it's just fun for them to get to know them in person. Um, yes. So I want that to happen. But also people are just, it's still early in this whole like YouTube world. People just aren't aware of it. Um, and Absolutely. people, they're not aware of these, these uh, experts out there who just have really practical solutions that can actually apply to their situation. So yeah. I love being kind of a networker in that way. 
Yeah, and we're and and we're all grateful for that too, man. I really appreciate all of that because you've brought me into some things, and I've seen some people and got to talk with people a little bit. And I've used your model of just connecting and networking, and so you know that's what Boxcast right now is is beginning to focus on. Like we really want to be a resource hub of knowledge and expertise for other people as well. So you know, Boxcast has some great stuff, but we know there are other people out there who can do it better and do it wiser and faster and, and with a lot more efficiency. So Jake, thank you so much, man, for joining me today. It has been literally the highlight of my week i am so grateful for your time and really appreciate it we'll link everything down in our in our description down below if you want to get a hold of jake or check out church front live uh, and the conference and want to register and of course if you have any questions comments please go ahead and do so click that subscribe button like us and comment and as always this is the boxcast podcast happy streaming <laughs>